Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode six of Rounding Third, the baseball podcast. My name is Max. I'm your host, uh, along with my co-host, James. All right. You know you know me from the previous five episodes, but James, and uh, I'll just say about the episode, I'm stoked. We got a lot of good news, upcoming news, um, and that's always exciting. You know, we've had a little bit of a dry spurt, but it's the new year. It's 2022. Things are happening. Uh, let's see some baseball soon. And hopefully uh, our audio is coming in a little better. We both kind of upgraded a little bit. Um, we both got new mics. But we're going to kick it off here. I think we have to touch a pretty important subject um, to start off that's kind of close to close to the pod, is that we got recognized by the one and only Cameron Maben for our uh, segment about him last week. James, what do you think about that? I mean, that, truthfully, that was incredible news. Definitely the biggest accomplishment Um thus far into the podcast it was just awesome because you know whole point just awesome career celebrate the guy and uh see him take a little notice that that was awesome just because he got to hear the message directly yeah for sure well we got a we've got like a kind of a mailbag of current news uh five or six topics all pretty small and then we're gonna um jump into the second edition of the most unbreakable record that some of you might remember so James, I mean, why don't you kick it off? We're going to talk about the lockout first. What, what's going on? Well, let's see. With the lockout, there's was a meeting today that should have been successful. It was the first time since December 2nd that the Players Union was going to sit down with the MLB ownership and try and hash this thing out. Uh, it was a utter disaster. Uh, Max, I don't know if you want to touch on kind of what started to go wrong or how we got to a disaster on day one. Yeah, so I mean, so this is being recorded on Thursday the 13th. It'll come out on Friday the 14th. So this meeting happened today. Um, and so the two sides have met on other issues in the past weeks after the lockout began, but they didn't really discuss any of the core economic issues that are kind of at the heart of why we're in a lockout in the first place. Um, and so this meeting really wasn't expected to go well. The The MLB ownership approached the Players Union with, you know, a uh, their proposal for the new economic agreement and the players union was very upset that there was really no change in it um no or luxury tax no progress on increasing players minimum arbitration starting earlier or revenue sharing so basically all of the main things that the players were wishing for or hoping for and a new new collective bargaining agreement um none of that was really there so It's still early. This is still one of the first meetings discussing the economic issues between the players' union and the ownership, but it didn't start out on the right foot. Yeah, I would say, you know, this this was expected. No one thought we were going to close this deal today. You have to kind of start somewhere and and bargain. Um, I will say, reading a Jeff Pazin tweet, the things that the MLB did offer was to funnel um, additional money to players after they hit two-plus years of service. Um, award draft picks to teams that don't manipulate service clocks. I know we've talked about that a little bit, uh, but service clocks and manipulating when you start a guy's contract for financial reasons, you get rewarded if you don't do that, uh, and then some tweaks to the lottery. And, you know, that's just leaving players really upset. Um, What surprised me is the players union really wants this luxury tax reeled in and to start approaching a cap um, just for competitiveness. That's what they're citing, and then really take care of everyone all the way down to rookies. Yeah, I mean, in episode one, we talked about, you know, what the players wanted, why there was a lockout in the first place. 
Um, and it mainly has to do with the fact that MLB revenue is increasing, but players' minimum pay is staying the same, where players think their minimum pay for the service they're putting in should increase. And also, they wanted to kind of rid the idea of tanking in the MLB and kind of put in a lottery system or some way to avoid teams at the bottom from just losing games and losing games, which which tends to happen. Yeah, the, the other thing that you had going on that the players have been asking for is they want to lower the amount of years it takes to hit the free agency process to five. Uh, it's currently at six from the time you're drafted. You're under team control for six years, and the MLB ownership is apparently very adamant that that is not changing while not increasing a period of arbitration or trying to meet the players there at all. So that's another particular issue. Yeah, so it's it's really just didn't start out on a good foot. Minor update. I mean, no no big news, nothing really coming from the meeting other than they're beginning their tops, talks on economic issues. So um, I guess that covers it for the lockout right now. Unfortunately, we'll have to keep our eyes open for news coming in the future. How about this? New Sunday night baseball broadcast. I guess off the popularity of the Manning cast, I guess you could call it for Monday night football. Sunday night baseball is introducing an alternate broadcast to appear on ESPN2 for eight to ten games throughout the season, featuring Alex Rodriguez and Michael Kay, who is um, a Yankees uh, play-by-play guy, I believe. So what do you think about this? Well, first of all, I just want to note that this has been called now on Twitter and in the media uh, you know, Sunday night, like uh, Manning cast, but K-Rod, it's K-Rod, and Barf. that is terrible. That is atrocious. First, if it's marketed as K-Rod, not a chance I'd watch a second of it. Uh, but as to what actually is crazy about this to me is you take A-Rod, super talented, up in the box, obviously great story. Guys know him in baseball. I mean, huge name for the sport. That's a great selection. I mean, quite frankly, Beautiful. who the hell is Michael K? I mean, that's the part that throws me off. You're you're pairing a guy who, pending he didn't have his issues, would have been a Hall of Famer, no doubt, with a play-by-play guy from one fan base who's not really that known nationally, not a big name. Why are you uh, a Rod David Ortiz? Give me that. That's the only way I'll watch baseball. If that's yeah. I mean, I'm gonna push back a little bit on a Rod being, um, you know, (laughs) a great broadcaster or whatever you said. Um, I, you know, I thought he was good on Sunday night broadcasts in, in the past, but I don't know. Something kind of rubs me the wrong way with him. I don't know whether it's the way he comes off, whether it's a bit pretentious. And I know he's kind of a controversial figure, regardless of the steroid thing, a kind of a controversial commentator. Some people like him, some people hate him. But I agree with your point. Like, why isn't this A-Rod and David Ortiz or A-Rod and Derek Jeter? Um, it just... Like, the whole draw of the Manning cast was getting the brothers, who were both professional NFL players, um, who had a storied career, and their brothers... They're both Super Bowl winners. Right. Like you said, who the hell is this Mike Michael K guy? I'm not going to lie. For you podcast listeners, I had to look up Michael K. I mean, truthfully, I'm just like, what's going on here? And, you know, he's appeared here or there nationally, but, you know, this is just crazy. Uh, Hey, you, you radical idea... Ken Rosenthal, make it happen. Get him on the broadcast. So they're gonna, they're not gonna do every Sunday night game. They're gonna do. I've seen eight. I've seen ten to twelve. But they're not gonna do every 
Sunday night game, and there's about 25 Sunday night baseball games in the season. There's a number I saw that might not be true either. But so A Rod's coming off the main Sunday night baseball broadcast with Carl Ravitch and is being replaced by five time World Series champion and Cy Young Award winner David Cohn and uh, analyst Eduardo Perez. So new look for Sunday night baseball, both with an alternate broadcast and new people in the booth. So just final uh, point on that. Max, are you going to listen? Are you tuning in? I mean, of course I'm going to listen. I, I really like Sunday Night Baseball. Um, I, I, I think it's a good broadcast just in terms of kind of the aesthetic it gives off. But um, I, I, I probably won't catch more than a game of A-Rod. I like Carl Ravage. I like the mainstream. I'm talking about the alternate. Of course, Sunday Night Baseball has been a treat. I, I love that. It's best yeah, thing yeah. to do in the summer. But I just can't. I will listen to at least one full game with the alternate broadcast simply for scientific purposes for our listeners. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am going to listen, you know, or watch. Probably, I'll, I'll probably watch their first one, and if it's good, I'll keep watching. Maybe I'll multicast or something, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't love A-Rod, and unless this Michael K guy is, like, really good, I don't really care too much. No. You know, I'll, I'll segue us into our, our next topic. You're speaking of the Yankees, this Michael K, this A-Rod. The Yankees have gone out and done something that makes the news. And surprisingly, it has nothing to do with overplaying stars that underperform, nothing to do with allegations of steroid use or, or abuse. The Yankees are actually in the news for a good reason today. Max, do you want to uh, highlight? Yeah, so this past week, uh, the Yankees hired Rachel Balkovich to manage their low-A uh, minor league team, the, the Tampa Tarpons. And so, so Rachel was, has been in the league forever. She'll be the first female skipper in an affiliated professional team, so somewhere in the minor league system. Um, but she's been around baseball forever. She got her, minor, her major league debut as a minor league strength and conditioning coach in 2012 with the Cardinals. Um, and then in 2016, she became, quote-unquote, the Latin American strength and conditioning coordinator for the Astros, where I guess she had to learn Spanish for the role, but she ended up performing really well and then eventually got to step up into this managerial role. Um, she also be, was the minor league hitting coach for the Yankees in 2019, so I guess that's where kind of she got her door into the Yankees organization. But, I mean, this is awesome. This is great for baseball. Yeah, I think this is great stuff. You know, I think of someone in baseball, I'd like to touch on Effa Manley, um, who was a manager in the Negro Leagues. But to finally see it all recognized and, and truthfully happening in the MLB, starting to embrace that role, really excited. Uh, I would say we're past our time. And I just, I want to read a quick tweet that I saw on the incident from Jared Carabas. Uh, and he said, very cool to see. Sad that some people would rather jump to hate on the hiring than take the 90 seconds it would require to see what their qualifications are. Is it a requirement to have played in the MLB? No. Is it possible to be a bright baseball mind without playing pro ball? Yes. And I think, I mean, he just put that so perfectly. Look at the resume. She deserved it. I hope she keeps climbing, keeps going through the uh, ranks, and eventually takes Aaron Boone's job. Probably better for the Yankees, too. Yeah, I mean, I think people who, for some reason, hate on this because she's a girl or because she didn't play Major League Baseball, it's just kind of ridiculous. Mike Schilt, who's 
former Cardinals manager got fired last year. He never played in the major leagues. And also, if you're a GM or, you know, you're in any position of leadership within a team that's kind of guiding the team to win, it doesn't really matter what anybody looks like. You have one goal, and that's to win the game. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman or whatever they look like or sound like. It's it's really all about winning. And so I don't see any reason people should hate on this. It's it's mainly just couch potatoes who who want to want to comment for no reason. Totally, totally agree. I mean, she would outcoach anyone who's using Twitter fingers. You know that. So wishing the best for her. Awesome to start history trending in that direction. I mean, the thing that really brought me to baseball and the Dodgers was when they started to transcend history with baseball there as well uh, in the Jackie Robinson days. So this is awesome. Good for Rachel. Good for the Yankees doing a positive contribution to the world. And how about this next one? Um, kind of a, a different type of topic. We have MLB and Apple and talks about an exclusive streaming rights deal. Um, so this is kind of interesting. We've seen MLB partner with different um, companies before, like YouTube or obviously ESPN and Fox. But according to sources close to the situation, first reported by the New York Post, um, Apple's in talks with the MLB about live streaming MLB games. Um, it would be Apple's target push into live sports in the U.S. Um, and some insiders are saying Apple's targeting NFL Sunday ticket after the NFL contract is up in the 2022 season. Um, so what do you think about this, James? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting, you know, one, I think it's smart to dip their toes in before they make this bid at large for the NFL. I'm more concerned with how it impacts baseball. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to. I did a little background research to grab this and. And fine, so ESPN uh, just inked another deal with baseball last May uh, through 2020. It's a $4 billion deal, billion with a B, big money in baseball. Uh, The caveat was the previous contract, ESPN had the rights to about 90 live broadcasts, notably your Sunday night games, but pretty much they would have a game on throughout all of the summer. Uh, Monday night baseball, Wednesday night baseball. Yes, exactly. And so... What they've done in their new deal is they've taken most of that out, most of those Monday and Wednesday game outs, and that's actually what Apple here is bidding for. They're trying to get those rights and replace those games Monday, Wednesday night, and have them exclusively streamed, I imagine, through Apple TV. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know the exact specifics of the deal. Like, are, are ESPN personalities going to be broadcasting the game, or is it going to be a, a, a different cast of characters specifically hired by Apple? Um, I guess I, I don't really know those details, and they might not be available yet. We'll have to see what happens um, with this deal. Right now, they're just in talks about the exclusive streaming rights deal, but we'll have to see. Of course, it, it, yeah, it may not get signed. What I also like about this deal, and it's something that I know we're both passionate about, is this at least taking steps towards getting it on a younger demographic, right? We don't need it on you know the cable TV like Let's get it mobile. Let's go. So in a, in a related note, Max, I want to ask you a new thing that baseball started doing. I think started last year. Maybe it's been the last two years. But that is these games, these midday games, especially that they throw on YouTube for free. Like you go to the YouTube homepage, MLB broadcast exclusively there. Did you catch any of those broadcasts? Did you like it? Feelings on that? Yeah, I actually did. So they, it was, I think it was – once a week or something like that. It was like YouTube's game of the week. I think it was Wednesday. I catch everyone Wednesday. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the Cardinals were on it a few times. I remember specifically watching a Cardinals-Brewers game in Milwaukee um, on YouTube TV, or just on YouTube, and it was good. I thought um, the commentators seemed a little more geared toward, toward a younger audience, in my opinion. And once again, I only watched a couple games, but it was enjoyable. Um, you know, no complaints. It was nice to see a free game. I'll tell you my complaint. I do have a complaint with that. Uh, I actually enjoyed the broadcast similar to you. I pretty much only watched it for either if the Dodgers were playing or if there was a really good marquee matchup, which there normally wasn't, but a few times. Uh, my big complaint is that whenever it happened, I always, I, I'm a loyal MLB supporter. I always buy the Dodgers package, MLB ticket, whatever. Always have their package. It would get blacked out when it was on YouTube for free. And it's not a problem because then I just go to YouTube and it's free. But just the concept of blackouts, and especially I pay money to have this, and I'm blacked out so I can go click somewhere else for free. It's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of people have issues with games being blacked out in their regions for one reason or another. I know there's I probably legal or, um, I guess, business deals that they conflict with, but... I guess it's just the way it is. I don't really know the specifics of why or how it's like that, but I, I mean, my initial theory would be to show YouTube like the numbers are bumped or the exposure was higher. You know, you don't want to have those fringe guys on the thing, but I don't want to be. I pay to not deal with commercials to not ever do that. If I pay you money for my team, I want 162 games <laughs> and the playoffs. I know I'll never get that because, of course, playoff baseball, they want the money, but. I digress. I'll get off my uh, blackout blur. Yeah, blackout rant. Uh, here's some fun news, and I'll bring this up so it's not biased coming from a Cardinals fan. But your boy Harrison Bader just made the news for some pretty incredible reasons. You want to touch on that? Man, yeah. I mean, I love Harrison Bader. How could you not? One of the top center fielders in in all of baseball, in my opinion, especially defensively. Um, he won. I just want to point this out since he said that he is the reigning Gold Glove winner. He won Center Field Gold Glove 2021. Yeah, one of I think it was five Cardinals out of nine that won Gold Gloves in their position. But I digress. So basically, the Missouri the school in Missouri school in the St. Louis region was was short staffed. So somehow he stepped in to become the gym teacher for a day, um, got to hang out with the kids, and he joked that being a math or science teacher even at that grade, is way above his pay level. Um, I, I mean, I love Harrison Bader. He's a super humble guy, loves the city of St. Louis, loves the community. He wrote an amazing um, piece, and I think the Players' Tribune last year, kind of a letter to St. Louis leading the playoffs. Um, but, but yeah, he also basically said if any other school in the St. Louis area needs a gym teacher for a day, he'd love to step in. And you never know with a lockout, he made him a new job. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think he's secretly building up that resume experience so he's ready to be like a high school baseball coach history teacher, you know, because he's got a year or two seven under his belt. I, I think it's an awesome move, you know, and, and to me, what made it even cooler was that he tweeted. He's like, yeah, I can do this again. I'm pretty well, like, I've got this. Let me know if you need help. Uh, so good guy, Harrison Bader. And apparently he was playing dodgeball with the kids. So first of all, I can't even imagine how cool it would be to have the local teams, an MLB star be your teacher for the day but then also playing you know he's got a cannon i've seen him toss some dudes out at home i mean i i don't want that guy throwing dodgeballs at my eight-year-old kid (laughs) (laughs) 
And I guess on a similar cardinal note, we got uh, another topic in our, I guess, current news mail grab bag, whatever you want to call it. Um, not really Cardinals news, but he retired as a Cardinal. We have John Lester calling it quits after 16 years. Yeah, 16 seasons in the league. Um, five-time All-Star, three-time World Series champ, two times with the Red Sox in 07 and 13, and with the Cubs historically in 2016, where he also won 20, the 2016 NLCS MVP. Um, All-around great pitcher, great career, um, probably not a Hall of Famer, may somehow find a case for it, but great journeyman, some great stories, and a great career. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, the 2016 NLCS MVP was a terrible moment in my life because that was against the Dodgers, and he just cooked them uh, for two straight wins. But, yeah. And it was against the NBA in the World Series. Yeah, well, that yeah, that's what the World Series, yeah, it was just a tough, you know, he, he was throwing out heaters. Um, that argument, his backdoor argument for Hall of Fame is probably just his incredible postseason success. He has a playoff ERA of 2.51 uh, with a, over one whip, which is walks and hits per inning. I mean, it's a one zero one nine. It is just, it's incredible. Like these numbers, this is um, would put him amongst the best in the history of the sport in the playoffs. Um, my favorite John Lester thing, and real quick, just on the Hall of Fame, in relation to how good he is to the rest of the pack in any other sports league, he's a Hall of Famer, but not Cooperstown. Cooperstown, it's a question. Uh, if you give me an NBA three-time champ, they are a certified Hall of Famer. No question. We we touched on how Cooperstown's tough to get into. and You mentioned um, the NBA. The NBA kind of gives Hall of Fame to a Hall of Fame status to a lot of people. But um, I, I think it's he's just had an amazing career. He debuted in 2006 with the Red Sox, where he spent eight years after that. Um, he was at the age of 22, but he had to actually cut his first season short because he had – a treatable form of lymphoma at only 22 years old after getting drafted by the Red Sox. Um, but he returned clear in 2007 and then went on to have a storied career, um, kind of peaking in the 2014-2016 kind of range. Uh, in 2014, uh, f- from an individual basis, he had his best season to date with a career best 2.46 ERA and 110 whip with 220 strikeouts, and he finished fourth in Cy Young voting. And then in that famous 2016 Cubs season, um, he finished second in NL Cy Young voting and had was 19-5, and 2.44 ERA, 1.02 whip, um, and definitely had the best season of his career, capping it off with an NLCS MVP and a World Series champion for the Cubs. Now, I hear all of this. These are great stats, incredible career. To me, the thing John Lester has to go down in history for and borderline should be put in the Hall of Fame for is having the worst yips slash pitcher not being able to throw to first situation. I mean, it it was bizarre. You had dudes in World Series taking an actual lead where they were closer to second base than first base, daring him, daring him to throw the ball because – at least 65% of the time, if he threw to first, it was going to be an air, and that runner was going to third base. So that I always love to see. Just It's like you are an incredible pitcher. You can throw a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, put it right on a dot on that corner, and you cannot throw 60 feet to first base. Incredible stuff there. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and I think, uh, real quick on the Hall of Fame thing and kind of his stats as a whole. So his whole career, 16 seasons, he historically hit exactly 200 wins with the Cardinals at the end of his career. 366 ERA. He's has 2,488 Ks, which is fourth, 40th all time. But he also, like James already mentioned all his postseason stats, but specifically in, in the World Series, he pitched 35 and two-thirds innings in the World Series. He went 4-1, and one, had a 1.77 ERA, a whip under one, and 34 strikeouts compared to eight walks. So I, I think if you talk about someone who's at the top of his game when it matters most, he could find a case maybe in the Veterans Committee to eventually get in the Hall of Fame. Incredibly clutch player. Just make sure there's not traffic on the base pass or all hell is about to break loose with a bunt. Um <laughs> And and I, I say all that just joking. John Lester, I mean, phenomenal pitcher, um, but I think that about does it. It's kind of sad. We're really getting to that point where like household names. I mean, I was at that 2016 World Series. Like guys that we watched and grew up with are retiring now. You know, Kyle Seager. It's every episode we've recorded every week. We're getting a new retirement that's worth covering. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Well, now that he's not in the league, he won't be giving up home runs. Um in Camden Yards anymore. Why is that, James? Well, honestly, the Camden Yards, first of all, just beautiful park. One of the, the best there is, you know, sure, certainly on a short list. Um, what it's really, really good at, it's got that industrial feel. It's really good at just giving up bombs, absolute missiles, just nothing but shells, huge nukes, 400. Yeah, I mean, just crazy stuff and just all these home runs and then you start to go how are there all these home runs well the, the the dimensions must be messed up and surely they are changing the dimensions of camden yards this off season to hopefully eliminate the home runs that we see in that ballpark yeah so camden yards home to the baltimore orioles a notoriously bad team in recent years um i guess this might be part of the reason but they gave up 277 home runs last season. That's fourth all time. Uh, first being 99, Coors Field gave up 303. Number two was the 2019 Camden Yards, where it gave up 289 home runs. And then Minute Maid gave two up 282. And then Camden Yards again last year at 277. Um, so I get they're they're changing the dimensions and moving the walls back, I guess. They are. From what I saw, it looks like they may go as far as moving the walls 30 feet in and adding an additional five feet in height. So you're not, you know, those are pretty significant changes. You're talking about that will cut off a lot of home runs, which it seems like the ballpark needs. You know, you listed all those times that it led Uh, most home runs given up of any ballpark since 92. Uh, And I just start to think you this combination that we really saw in 2021 of really substandard pitching coupled with what is clearly not good field dimensions and then you add that you have the likes of the toronto blue jays boston red sox new york yankees and tampa bay rays coming into that ballpark to face substandard pair of course i mean oh my god aaron rudd aaron judge vlad guerrero jr every one of the red sox lineup bangs i mean it's just crazy randy arena wander frank i mean Austin, uh, it's just, it is crazy. Austin Meadows, just bombs, bombs, bombs. They're hoping to change And to put it. this in perspective, so Camden Yards gave up 277 home runs last year. 
Second place was a Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, which gave up 250. So there's a 27 home run gap between that. The net, 27 home runs below Great American Ballpark would put you at the the seventh place team or eighth place team, which is Minute Maid Park uh, in Houston. So there's a big gap between first being Camden Yards and the rest of the pack going down. Yeah, and, and what's also crazy to me, especially as we looked into these stats, is the fact that Coors Field in Denver is not anywhere really leading the pack. I mean, I don't even think they're top 10 on this list, which is crazy because they're known for that elevation for those home run balls. I mean, they have said as an organization, they target pitchers who rely on sinkers to bring the ball down and try and keep the ball in the ballpark. Not even top 10. Meanwhile, you go to Baltimore, shell fest. Yeah, and, and just to put it in, just to, for those who care about the numbers, you have Camden Yards at 1, 277, Great American Ballpark at 250, third place Dodger Stadium at 248, then Wrigley Field at 242, and rounding out the top five would be Target Field, where the, the Twins play at 233. Then it goes down there from Atlanta, Houston, Boston, New York, Washington. Yeah, so it's, it's just, I mean, I guess I'm happy for the change. I don't. I don't really care that much. Um, I don't find myself watching a bunch of games at Camden Yards, but I do really want to go to Camden Yards. So any listeners in Baltimore with the plug, hit me up. Yeah, I mean, that kind of covers it for our mailbag. Um, we got we actually got a decent amount of current news that we were able to cover despite being in this weird dead period of baseball. So it was it was nice to touch on current news, but... Um, James, you want to kick over to yeah, this... our next segment, which is the second time we're doing this segment? Yeah, we, you know, and I'll just say on the news, just incredible stuff. Now we're really starting to see it ramp up. Last episode, we had a lot of news, but we wanted to bring back one of the segments we started that we we really liked, we thought was a great segment, got some positive feedback on, and that's the most unbreakable record segment. Um, previously we have talked about Cal Ripken Jr.'s Iron Man streak. Speaking of Orioles, by the way, that was pretty much the last time they were relevant. <laughs> uh, but in the, uh, the next unbreakable record that we have to cover, it's a guy you have to know, just a legend of baseball, a legend on the mound, Nolan Ryan, 5,714 career strikeouts. That's a record and it's unbreakable. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely up there as unbreakable. To put it in perspective, the next two people on the list are Roger Clemens and Randy Johnson, and they're over 800 strikeouts away from the record. And part of it's due to the fact that Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan played 27 seasons in the MLB, all as a pitcher, which I, I think it's tied for the most uh, seasons ever played by a big leaguer, but... If you're playing 27 years of your life in the MLB at the level that Nolan Ryan was pitching at, it, it's it's easy to have a lot of records that aren't going to be touched. You know, the other thing I want to just put into perspective for everyone, we said second and third on the list are over 800 Ks away. That's at least three full MLB seasons at peak operating efficiency, like Cy Young finalist three straight seasons from Randy Johnson or Roger Clemens to get there. I mean, those them in themselves are some of the greatest pitchers to ever toss a baseball and they're, they're shy. And Randy Johnson played forever. He played a ton of seasons too. And still 
nothing. Kind of putting it in perspective, too. Your guy, Clayton Kershaw, he's a big strikeout guy. He's led the MLB in strikeouts three times. But if he were to stay at the pace he's on, he would need to average 225 strikeouts per year, which is roughly as the average for a full season. And he would need to average that for another 16 years until he's 46 years old um, to catch Nolan Ryan. Now, and, and think about that. So that is 16 more years. The rumors are already out. People always are talking about Kershaw's old, he's washed, you know. Now you want him to go 16 more years like that? I mean, yeah, this record, I don't think it gets sniffed, doesn't get touched. Um, just you're not going to have a pitcher go that long, and you're also not going to have a pitcher in the modern era, like right now, that they're going to use at the exact same rate they use Nolan Ryan. You know, now you're yanking guys five innings, you know, come on. Yeah, I mean, it. I, there, there are a multitude of factors why this record exists, from him playing 27 years in the MLB to him being one of the greatest pitchers of all time and a Hall of Famer. Um, and just the, the capacity that he was able to keep for such an extended period of time, I, I find it hard to believe that this record is touched, at least in our lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's going to be tough. And, of course, the biggest factor more than anything is just how damn good Nolan Ryan was for how long. Um, I think to put this into perspective, if you were to take CC Sabathia uh, and Bartolo Colon, the two active leaders in strikeouts, add their strikeout totals together, which would be 28-46 from Sabathia, 24-54 from Colon, you're still 414 strikeout shy of Nolan Ryan's record. And by the way, that is the amount of strikeouts that Zach Britton has in his career. Correct, Max? <laughs> yeah, that's... I, maybe that's that's old. I'm not sure if CC and Bartolo are still active, but... Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> both those guys uh, both those guys have been retired. Uh, I think CC retired, what, two seasons ago? That sounds right. Yeah, I can pinpoint it. And Bartolo Colon should get in the Hall of Fame just for content. Um, that one home run that he got in a Mets uniform is maybe the best moment of baseball. But all this is distracting away from the fact that Nolan Ryan probably etched in history books forever. I mean, it'll always be remembered for sure in the Hall of, you know, never forgotten. But this record, it's, the, it's Nolan Ryan's record, I believe. And how about we cap off this pod with a little bit of uh, anecdotal material? Uh, you recently had a chance to go to a baseball card show. How was that? Yeah, so I think I talked about this um, um, on the last podcast that I was going out to the local card show, local card show that kind of travels. I had a fun time. Um, you know, I, I really like the baseball card stuff, looking at the older uh, time cards. Uh, for me, I was going in with the mission of getting a Jackie Robinson 1955 baseball card. For you, those that don't know, 1955, Brooklyn Dodgers won a World Series for Jackie Robinson. Incredible stuff. Just couldn't find one that was at the right condition and price I liked. So really, I uh, I loaded up and have a ridiculous Gil Hodges collection now. I think I got <laughs> mostly Gil Hodges cards at that. All different eras in L.A. and Brooklyn. Really fun stuff. And I know we touched on him in the Hall of Fame episode. So as he uh, was one of Jackie Robinson's teammates and just made it to the Hall of Fame this fall, or last fall in 2021, filled up and uh, we're ready to roll there. Rounded out with the Duke Schneider and... Uh, Brooklyn collections coming along. What was nicely. the most expensive card you saw there? Oh, 
I don't know if I grabbed the most expensive one, but there was a time when I was like, ooh, can I grab that card? And I flipped over a 55 Jackie Robinson, uh, and it was $12,500. So I was like, all right, uh, before I do anything to this card, why don't you just take that back real quick? Uh, So that was ridiculous. Um, There were some cards there. There were some old pre-war cards that I bet, you know, some old Babe Ruth that fetched a a crazy penny. No, no Honus Wagner, nothing, nothing like that. But still, I mean, twelve grand for a baseball. Yeah, I mean, card. you have to go in there expecting so, to pay a decent amount. I would imagine. Were you, you had to be carrying some weight as you were walking in. Uh, you know, actually, no. I I went with the discipline approach. Just grabbed a couple hundred bucks in cash and said, okay, if I really find a card I need, I'll hit the ATM. <laughs> uh, but that kind of helped because I didn't have as much on hand. But you know, we'll see. I think I'm waiting for the Jackie Robinson play to, to get a real nice card. So maybe do a little saving to the point where I can drop some uh, bands on a card. Yeah, well, I guess that wraps it up for episode six. Um, hope you guys enjoyed some of the current news we were able to touch on. The second unrapable record that we put in our new and growing segment. And it was nice to have some anecdotal uh, material to touch on with James. Um any closing words? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things I'd say. Definitely want to get some feedback. Do you think that strikeout record ever gets broken? Um, what do you feel on the news that we've thrown out? I mean, if there's anything, we covered all kinds of stuff, some fun little topics. You know, let us know your thoughts. We're, we're craving. We want the interaction. We want to talk uh, baseball with everyone. So the best place to do that is on our Twitter, at RoundingThirdNow. That's RoundingThreeRD now on twitter go over there tweet at us let us know what's going on drop a follow while you're there you know we appreciate listening to the pod hopefully uh given our streak it sounds like john lester may be listening to this episode so you know what's up john lester we'd love to have you on the show uh and talk some baseball there uh but outside of that you know it's been great and we are we are steadily getting there we need to sign this bargaining agreement and bring baseball back talk to you guys next week